It is Locked on Jazz for the 4th of January. Another buzzer beating? Loss? What are we, Basketball Job? What's going on? We'll look at it. Much more positive about this performance. Three back cuts are what bothered Will Hardy. We'll analyze all three of those. Could have we done anything to get the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands at any point along the way? And we'll have a smorgasbord of massive amounts of jazz thoughts for you. It's an empty the brain edition of Locked on Jazz. And it's next. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. I almost find uh, it's not laughable to Will Hardy or any of the players right now, but as a Jazz fan, I almost feel like we just have to smile, chuckle, and hug each other today. Um, I mean... Can we get tortured any more with close late games than we just did last night when you add in that we added the Lowry market and basket so that you had a moment of thinking you'd actually won, only to realize halfway through your celebration, oh, that might not count. Oh, no, it didn't count. Oh, no, we just lost again on the third straight game on a buzzer beater. It's a little nuts. Um, how are you? Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks so much for making Lockdown Jazz your first listen. And thanks so much for subscribing and following the show. If you are on YouTube, please hit the bell button so that you're notified anytime we start. Appreciate you guys all. Um, it's a bummer stretch, actually. Because I do feel a little bit like both those games, Kevin Herter rims it out or, you know, hey, the Kings earned it. Kings are really good. We'll talk about that. Um, but this does feel, and I don't want to overplay it, um, and, and, you know, frankly, the Sacramento, the San Antonio and Warriors games, which weren't great, that start this stretch are, are, are somewhat responsible as well. But I think, I do feel like when we look back on the season, which has been awesome, and the guys' effort and, and resiliency has been awesome, it's been, you know, it's been more enjoyable and better than we ever expected. I do think when you look back at this season and we wonder, you know, do we not, let's say we don't make the play-in or we don't make the playoff. I think making the top six playoff would have been hard. But frankly, you know, these two games might be the difference between Sacramento making the playoffs and us not. Um, is really what I think, you know, when when you look at it. Now the Warriors are involved and Phoenix is involved. I, don't, I still don't totally buy the Blazers who, you know, equally the same thing can be said about us. We've lost five straight. So, um, but right, I mean. If we win these two games against the Kings, they're sitting at 18 and 18 and we're sitting at 21 and 19 and we're ahead of them in the standings. And it does feel a little bit to me like we're going to look back at this sequence of games and this stretch where we've now lost 10 of 12, but I actually think it might be more. I've kind of, I had just done the recent stretch, but I actually am now thinking back and looked at this Ross last night and I have to do some research. I actually think the clutch losses go back even further. I mean, it really goes back to Mike's injury. And Mike was good tonight. Um, But it goes back to Mike's injury that we just have not been good in the clutch since. Uh, Mike was good last night. But it does feel to me a little bit like this stretch is going to be the one where we look back at the end of the season. And however we finish, frankly, I think is fine, um, considering everything that was going on this season. But there was a chance for a little while that we thought, wow, is it possible we could be a top six, which really seemed like a stretch. But 
gosh, you grab three of these, three of these five you've lost on the buzzer, which maybe, you know, maybe that's unfair. It's fine. It's just two of them. You're 21 and 19 right now. You actually are in the six. Like we would be in the top six. Um, could we hold that for the whole season? You know, we'll see. Um, I do think, you know, Phoenix gets Booker back at some point, gets better. The Warriors get better. Um, I think Minnesota gets better. So I do think there's a bunch of teams that probably catch us. That was unrealistic. Then you, then you start talking about the play in, which would be really cool, frankly. Um, be fun to be a part of it. We're still right in that mix. It probably depends on whether Minnesota turns the corner or not, whether the Lakers ever turn the corner. Um, frankly, Oklahoma city won by 40 against Boston last night. You know, on the and then and it just does feel like that this is going to be the, the the these fifteen points in five games are going to be the stretch where we turn it around, look back, and say, oh well, well that's where, you know, it kind of went. And it's a bummer because I'm not sure that I thought last night particularly that I thought the guys played really well. I thought Vando brought just huge energy, um, and I thought it was a hard game, and I was really wildly impressed. Because I thought Sacramento was outplaying the Jazz. I thought Sabonis was the best player on the floor. And then it was clear Fox was the best player on the floor later. And yet, the Jazz collectively stayed in the game for just an extended, you know, really just stayed around 5 and 7. Then would go back to 9 and come back to 5. I was I was super impressed by the effort last night, by the Jazz. And, and felt similar on the Miami game, where you just... This team hovers. They just stay around. They're kind of like the little brother. Like, big brother and his friends are going out and playing, and little brother's just, like, always there. And, like, little big brother and his friends leave the house to go down to the ice cream shop, like, in the old 1950s sitcom. And somehow little brother's, like, a block behind, just, hey, 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 here I am. Like, I feel like that's who we are. And then and then by the end, you're, like, involved. Like, I just, we just don't go away. It's super impressive um, in how the Jazz are doing this. Um, and, but with that said, it does feel as though this kind of un really remarkable, unusual stretch where you've lost five games by 15 points, you know, it, Oh, it's only five. It, it's a significant, it's significant, right? We're going to be in a, at the end of this thing, it's going to swing two or three day games, depending, Hey, if we make a trade, certain trades at the trade deadline, we could, we've talked about this. We could, we could be at 13 in the West in, in a blink of an eye, right? We're, we're a game and a half away from 13th in the West. It would not be hard for us to get there. One or two trades, one or two more, in, one or two in, more injuries were there, as good as everything's been. That's just where the league is right now. The league's incredible in how, how tight it is and how much it moves. On the other end, to my point, is we're three games behind Sacramento and have just lost two games to Sacramento on the bus. And if we win those two games and they lose those two games... You know, they're 18 and 18 and we're 21 and 19. So we're suddenly ahead of them. So it's, um, right, you got it. I mean, I don't want to overplay um, the negativity here because I actually didn't think last night was a negative night at all. And I think from an entertainment standpoint, which I've always felt, boy, this is just over the top. I mean, this is just over the top, incredible basketball and an effort on a nightly basis with just amazing games. So, you know, hey, it hurts to lose, and I get a lot of us get our value out of wins and losses. On the other end, you if you get your value out of entertainment and effort and tenacity and battle, pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, I actually, the thing that has been frustrating for Ron and I, I think I can speak for Ron, on the broadcast, has been neg- what I would call negligent plays. Um, I feel like there's been... In the games prior to last night, 
three to five negligent plays a game. That's one a quarter. It's a, it's actually a lot. Like I get that there's, you know, there's 190 back and forth in a night. It's pretty hard to be perfect, but there, it did seem to me that there were three to five negligent plays a night in the Spurs, the Warriors, the Heat in those games. And if I went back and watched film and I was Will Hardy, like I'd just be like, Oh my gosh, like, what are you doing now? We had some tough plays, and Akeel Alexander-Walker like over-dribbled drastically in the first half, quarter of the game, and then didn't at all the rest of the game. Like Those are the things that actually are super cool. Like, Nikhil is out there over-dribbling, like, not getting off the ball at all. Really a tough opening stretch. Davion Mitchell gets into him. He, he comes to the bench. He and Will Hardy, like, exchanged pretty heated exchange. I thought we saw great leadership by the Jazz. You saw Taylor Horton Tucker kind of tapping... Alexander Walker saying it's all right. Uh, Rudy Gay came over and kind of said, to, like, hey, come, you're, you're okay to Alexander Walker. Like, Nikhil's a great kid. So, like, if he's hot, it's only because he's frustrated with himself or he's frustrated with the situation. And he, and he really did. He had a, I couldn't, you know, I don't know what it was, but he had a gripe. Like, he had something where he thought, like, I think he thought he was being unfairly criticized, right? We all do it at times in life. And, and then you saw him, like, even Simone came over to him for a second. Leo came over to him. You saw some good little stuff right there. And then you liked what Will Hardy did, where Will Hardy brought him back in the game shortly thereafter. Like, okay, you blew that. We just had heated words. But you're not like in the doghead. You're not punished. And I think Alexander Walker hadn't played in a little while. I was pressing. And he then, I thought it was really good the rest of the game. Got off the ball a lot. Moved it. Was actually a facilitator. Was moving the basketball a, a tremendous amount late in games. He does not have a good plus minus last night. It's probably from the first stint. Um, but I thought that was like, those are the little signs inside that to me last night, I thought there were a lot less negligent plays by the jazz. I thought they were more engaged, f- more finely to, they were a little funky in the first quarter, right? They're down 12 second largest first quarter deficit they've had all season long. And the ball was kind of flying all over the place. That just happens. Like uh, that's not negligence. That's just like, you're out of rhythm. You're trying stuff. It happens. Uh, the negligence is not getting back on defense, not rotating defensively, not closing out, closing out with your hands down, just lack of focus kind of stuff. And I didn't think, I didn't think I saw that as much last night, which was really encouraging. Hey, this show, let me just be clear where we are today. It's, I said it's a smorgasbord, kind of a brain dump of a show. Like, I got my notes here. I don't usually have this many notes. Usually it's a little more structured. Um... It's just kind of where I am today with this, just a lot of different thoughts. In fact, Alexander Walker was not even on my thoughts. So you're really getting a 30-minute brain dump today. And so I try to always give you a little bit of a roadmap when the show starts. Like, hey, we're going from here and we're going to here. We got the little graphics on YouTube that tell you. No promises today. No promises today. It's a little bit of a, you know, in boom, 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 boom. Like all different thoughts. That's that's where we're going today. So I've got a, a collection of thoughts here for you. Three backdoor cuts that uh, happened late in the game uh, were vital. I do think the Kings are super good, and um, they did some interesting... And I'll explain why. So I think there should be a lot of... like I know we lost the Kings to the Kings. They're not the Kings. They're actually really good. Um, Their defense is not. Their offense is excellent. We'll talk about that in a second. They're super hard to guard. Um, And I got a bunch of other thoughts uh, coming your direction as well. We will do an Ask LOJ this week on Friday because I want to hear from you guys. Um, a little bit more than I have been as well. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located at Woods Cross, also in Logan. The Chevy lineup of trucks is, well, it's the best there is. 
Um, really, it's quite simple. Uh, you've got the Silverado. You've got the Colorado. Uh, the Colorado is the smaller of the two. It's kind of the zippier, fun um, truck for you. Uh, reasonably priced. Kind of the, like in all of our dreams, everyone would have this truck, right? We'd all, if we all could just have that one, absolutely. Um, the ZR2 is pretty sweet, though. They've, they've souped this thing up. It used to be pretty basic. Now it's rolling. The Silverado truck is you got the 3500 HD, you got the chassis cab, you've got the 2500 HD. It, they've got a bunch of different models, and it it's I call it the lazy boy chair of trucks because you just are sitting back. It's cool. I had one for a while. It was awesome, um, and a pretty cool little setup. It's all over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. If you're going to head over to either of those locations, do feel free to hit me up first over at Murdoch Chevy. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Steve Carter over at the great Intercap Lending. Steve is our personal loan officer at Intercap. And Intercap's got some neat things going on right now. First of all, if you have not, if you're new to the program and not heard about Steve Carter, Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. And for those who have been with the program before they've heard, there's nothing I enjoy more than sending someone to Steve Carter because I promise I know the customer service that we're about to, that you're going to get is one in a million. The second a- aspect of this is a program that's really, really cool they're running. It's called FreeFi. Um, FreeFi is a program where everyone that buys a home using Intercap Lending between now and March of 2023, so next two months, will have the ability when interest rates dip down to take advantage of a refi, and Intercap will waive all lender fees for the refi. So what that means is it, they'll cover all your processing, all their underwriting fees. Brock uh, Worthing, who's the president, and Steve, who's our loan officer, want to make sure you do understand that you still have escrow and title fees um, that are part of the refinance, but there's no lending fees from Intercap. So it's a pretty great deal for you. If you're on the fence with the rates being, and you know, well, we're going to have to refi at some point in time, the ref- you'll have no refi fees for up till March of 2025 if you do it with Intercap. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer, so make sure that you reach out and get him. You can email me first, and I'll just set you up with it. Or if you don't want to go through me, you can just call Steve directly at 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Thanks so much for being making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We will, uh, second listen, Locked on Sports Today. Those got, If you did not hear yesterday's edition of Locked on Sports Today, they had really did an incredible job on covering the, the story out of Buffalo and Cincinnati game. Um, Jake Lisko, our Bengals host, was, was terrific. And then Jeff Carr, who's actually our Reds host, but was actually, he's a Bengals season ticket holder, was in the stadium and shared what it was like to be in the stadium um, so that was a really, really good show. So go grab Locked On Sports today. Uh, subscribe and follow it as your second listen every single day. 22 minutes to catch up on all things sports. All right. Um, I think the Kings are super good. And I want to get into why and make sure we just kind of understand what they've built. And um, that trade that they got so panned for, which I actually liked for them at the time. I think I might have been the only one. Definitely felt like I was on, on an island, I, I think, is turning out to be true. First of all, Sabonis is terrific. Sabonis is a bona fide Legitimate, all-star, massive impact on the game. Terrific. He's not a good defensive player. He's terrific. The Sacramento Kings are the fourth best half-court offensive team in the NBA. They are also the number one most frequently in transition team in the NBA. They're actually not very good in transition. They were terrible in transition last night. But their half-court offense is really, really good. 
the combination of a De'Aaron Fox one-on-one, De'Aaron Fox pick-and-roll with Sabonis, or Kevin Herter, Malik Monk handoffs with Demata Sabonis gives them a variety of things they can do, and they get really hard to guard. And last night, they torched us in the half court. We could not get stops. I think they were at about a 118 offensive rating, according to Cleaning the Glass, in half court last night. But that's because the Kings are good. That's not, I mean, we're not very good defensively. I think that's been clear all season long. And we're getting better at a bunch of the areas where we're not as good defensively. So the areas where, we're, where we've gotten better is our transition defense. They were in transition 21% of the time last night, which is a ton. Um, and the second uh, thing to it, I would say, um, is, sorry, I just got a note that our flight was delayed. Um, the second one is our defensive rebounding's gotten much better. Like we're 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 improving a little bit on our defensive rebounding. Last night they only had twenty two percent offensive rebounds, so we, we've done a better job. Last night in we really were terrific in transition defense. They only averaged like points. They they were two times better in the half court than they were in transition yesterday, which is absolutely crazy. They were in transition a ton, but they either missed or we got back well defensively. Um, So we're improving in two significant areas. The one thing that's also interesting is Will talked about the other day is the Jazz seem less interested in necessarily denying all threes right now because they thought it was hurting their defensive rebounding and that might be coming to fruition a little bit to be true. Um, If you look at the last few games and look at our game logs, and you look at opposing rebounding and opposing shooting. Um, so the last few opponents have had a few more. Sacramento, um, not as quite as much. We had Miami shot 41% of their shots as threes. Golden State shot 48% of their shots as threes. So those two were a lot higher um, than they have been a little bit for us in the past. Our defensive rebounding, though, has been up in some of these games. So... Um, we'll see. It wasn't great against Miami and Sacramento the first time. It was great against Golden State and Sacramento um, and San Antonio. So that's just a trend that's worth keeping a little bit of an eye on. Uh, so anyway, I just think Sacramento's, like, that's the first thing is they're they're bona fide. Like, that offense, what they're doing, what Sabonis is doing is bona fide. And then that's why they got three back cuts. So let's look at those three back cuts that Will Hardy talked about after the game that were so vital. He says, hey, Lowry's defense on the last play is not great, but I, I'm more bothered by the three back cuts. So here are the three back cuts that happened. And honestly, there's some level here where I I probably need to get an explanation and probably watch film with the coaches to understand exactly what should have been happening um, and may do that and see if I'm wrong anywhere here. All three of them stem off the fact that Sabonis is a beast. All three of them stem off that at this point, you're you're 42 minutes into a basketball game where you've been run off handoff after handoff after handoff. Sabonis runs has run 200 more handoffs than any other big in the NBA, Jokic being the next. He's he's run two times more handoffs than any other, but two other bigs in the NBA. So they run the handoffs at a rate two to three to four times more than you're expecting in most games. So the first one is Fox is on, and they're all in the same thing. They're all, Sabonis is getting it, handing it, and guys are coming from, if you're facing the basket, the right corner. They're all on, they're all on the right side. They're all, and this, I think this allows us Sabonis to turn and go to his left hand if he wants to, um, depending, or just that's where they, how they run it, or Fox getting to his left hand. So Fox is in the bottom right-hand corner, and Keel Alexander Walker is defending, and Fox takes a step towards Sabonis, and Alexander Walker just greatly exaggerates, like crossover foot, 
like not slide defensively, crosses over his foot, he's done. Like you cross that foot over, you can't get back. So Fox goes back door. Sabonis hits him perfectly. You know, Clarkson's the low man. He's a little late coming over. He's also 6'4", so I don't think it would have mattered. My quick thought on it is Alexander Walker's got to be body contact on Fox. Which is hard because he's fast. But you've got to be in body contact with him. You can't be playing off him. You can't be... Because if you're playing off of him, the minute Fox takes the one step, you're trailing that handoff immediately. Right? If you're up on Fox, body contact, and Fox goes, you can ride Fox, and maybe he doesn't get to the handoff. And Alexander Walker did a good job on a few of them where he blew it up. But on this one, he's off. And the minute you're off, like, I've got a little bit of space between me and Fox. Fox starts... I'm automatically trailing, right? If I've got this... Fine, I got eight inches. I got 12 inches of space. I got 12 inches space now. I'm trailing. There goes the handoff. You're done. So I think you have to be in contact. The next one was at the next play down. And this one's Keegan Murray and Jordan Clarkson. And this one's pretty egregious. Because there's no, this is just Murray's coming up the floor. Sabonis has the ball. They're in their early offense. And this is give Sacramento credit. They get in their offense. This is another reason why Sacramento's tough. Is Sacramento just gets into their stuff super quickly. And, you know, this also might be what happened on Alexander Walker. I didn't check the shot clock, but if they get into it super quickly, Alexander Walker hasn't had time to get settled. He's just kind of getting back, and then, oh, boom, they hit you. That's why getting into offense really matters. So the, the Murray one was 6-17 left. Murray's coming up the floor. They're just running in transition, but it's, it's like tepid transition. And he just accelerates by Clarkson. Sabonis makes an unbelievable pass. Like, there just aren't a lot of guys in the league that are going to make the pass. But Jordan just kind of stands up for a second, and Murray just goes by. Like, it's pretty, it's, it's not great. It's pretty egregious. The last one is Mike Conley gets switched on Kevin Herter through a, through a play. And as Conley's switching, he doesn't go all the way out to guard Herter. He kind of stays shadowing Sabonis a little bit, but it gives Herter a straight line cut. And again, I think you either have to be in contact or you've got to be in his body line. Like you've got it. Like he just had a straight line cut. And so by having a straight line cut, he beats Conley pretty easily. Sabonis again makes the pass. I mean, Sabonis is the key on all three of these, but this is one where, so Mike started on Fox. They run some action. He gets switched on Herter and as Herter spaces out to the wing, Mike just doesn't go all the way with him. I think as he's trying to, bother Sabonis or be in the play in some other way, probably with good intentions, but it allows just a boom, straight line cut, no body bump, nothing, no contact, easy. Uh, I think that was a reverse side layup. So those three are bad. They happened at the 624 mark, the 619 mark, and the three-minute mark. In the clutch, Sacramento shot six of eight from the field, two of two from the line. We frankly went five of eight. So offense, which has been the bugaboo for us in these close games, 27th in the NBA over the last stretch of games where we've now lost 8 of 10 in the clutch. I actually do think it's 10 of 12. It might even be more. Um, is um, a case where I think that, you know, the the Jazz have, the, the offense was much better. Now, Sacramento's defense is bad. Like, Sacramento's not a legitimate contender because they're 29th in the league in half-court defense. Um, but their offense is totally bona fide. And deserves the respect. And I, I'm just not sure you can beat us up for... I mean, their offensive rating last night was a 116. The, frankly, the Jazz defense, quarter by quarter last night, got better and better and better. Which was really impressive. And there were some really good coaching moves by Will Hardy early in that third quarter. We'll get to those here in just a second as we continue. 
Um, and then talk about whether or not there was something we could have done to De'Aaron Fox. Just a brain dump of a day here. Thanks very much for dealing with the brain dump and making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline, the uh, place for your news source information, all at betonline.net. BetOnline gives you all the odds, all the information, podcast news, scores, and more that you could possibly imagine over. Um, go check it out. Lines coming into tonight, uh, NFL, no Thursday game. We play Saturday. Chiefs are now a nine-point favorite over the Raiders. Jags are six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Titans. Um, in the NBA world tonight, we've got a full docket of games. Donovan Mitchell goes back out against Cleveland. They're five, against, excuse me, against Phoenix. They're a five-point favorite. Game of the night, probably tonight, Milwaukee at Toronto, and Toronto is a five-point favorite. Milwaukee's really scuffling. Will the Nets continue their win streak there in Chicago? It's a four, they're a four-point favorite. We'll be watching the Timberwolves closely there. Home against Portland and a one-point dog. Vegas is really soured on everything going on with them. Sacramento's back in action tonight, getting up against Atlanta. Atlanta, Nate McMillan better write that ship here pretty quickly. There's going to be a new head coach in Atlanta uh, quickly. I hope you can figure it out. That is betonline.net, where the game starts. Thanks very much for making us your first listen each and every day. Locked on game to game, three games last night. The Locked on NBA game to game will run you through those three games. All right. Could have the Jazz done something to get the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands and is one of the questions. But let me first go to, I thought the Jazz made two really interesting defensive adjustments last night in the third quarter that changed the game a little bit. First is they had Jared Vanderbilt guard De'Aaron Fox. Vando's interesting because he's, I don't think of him as a great defensive player. I think of him as a great energy player. And his energy last night was awesome. Um, in the first quarter, the Kings had an offensive rating of a 130. In the second quarter, the Jazz tightened up and their offensive rating went to a 104. Now, the minute Sabonis goes off the floor, Sacramento cannot score. It's drastic. It's 13 points per 100 possessions. Last night, I think their offensive rating with Sabonis on the floor was like a, off the floor was a 50. And it was a 131 with Sabonis on the floor. He's great. Um, so you do have to, anytime you look at these quarter breakdowns, like Sabonis was on the floor for nine minutes in the first quarter. And the Kings had an offensive rating of a 157. Wow. Second quarter, the Jazz tighten up. They have a 104, but with Sabonis on the floor, we're still a 135. Like, he's just that great. Third quarter, the Jazz now double Sabonis, and they put Vanderbilt on Fox, and the defensive rating is 100, and the defensive rating with Sabonis on the floor was 100. He played almost the entire quarter. So really, the Jazz figure something out there in the third quarter, do a great job with it. And they're trying to get back to it in the fourth quarter with Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt's hard because he doesn't space the floor. And you've got Sabonis, who's the most physical player in the NBA, who you've got to have guarded by some other big combination of bigs on the floor. Uh, in the fourth quarter, the Jazz defensive rating was a 132. So it was suddenly not as, you know, they weren't as good um, as they had been, but they had... They, they had tightened the ship up there to get back in the game with some nice defensive adjustments. And the adjustments were they were doubling on uh, Sabonis in the post and they, were, and they had Vanderbilt guarding Fox. They tried to get back to Vanderbilt guarding Fox as much as they could in the fourth quarter. And I, and I just discussed some of the problems of trying to play Vando in that lineups and the spacing and things. And frankly, we had the same problem. We could not score when Walker was on the floor last night either. 
Um, the Jazz defense down the stretch, by the way, was a 140. Now, the Jazz offense was a 170 in the clutch last night. So the offense for the Jazz late in game was just awesome uh, and executed really, really well. And you're flipping between Vando and, and Beasley. And um, I, I think, by the way, when Beasley was on the floor, our offensive rating in those minutes was like a 200. And when Vando was on the floor, it was like a 100. Um, so, I mean, there's a really big difference between what happens when you suddenly, when you make those offensively, when you have a shooter versus a non-shooter, but you were trying to guard Fox. So could have the Jazz done something to get the ball out of Fox's hands? So few things. One, if we just go to the late game, they have Barnes, Murray, Herter, Fox, and Sabonis on the floor. They space the floor beautifully. Fox is going to come from the left side on every single one of these, and he's, and he's actually going to come from the left side and want to get to his left hand. So they're going to put one guy in the corner, and it can be any of these three guys. But Barnes, Murray, and Herter are all 40% three-point shooters, basically, right? Um, Barnes is probably not right there right now this year, but as a, for a career, he's pretty close. Herter's at 42%. Murray's at 38% for the season. And Barnes is, an, is a career knockdown shooter. Like, he's a 12-year veteran, I think, uh, I'm maybe 10 year veteran who's a, you know, this year he is shooting 31% from three who for the last five years has shot 39, 39, 39, 40, 41, 39. Like I'm not buying the 31.5 on him. I don't think his legs just went. I think he just had a bad stretch. He's only 30 years old. Now maybe that's the guy you decide that you're going to double off of. There was a few things that, that happened late in the game that were interesting. One is that Fox did not go after the same guy every time. So if you go back and look at Fox's baskets late in the game, he goes after Clarkson on one, he goes after Linick on one, and he goes after Markinen on one. If he's changing who he's going after each time, it's hard for you to designate one guy to double. The other thing is they're spacing the floor in such a way that Fox is out on the left side. There's a tight guy on the right corner, or on, on the left corner with Fox. And then the, they have two guys lifted to the other side, so that if you're doubling on the from one of the guys, you don't want to. You very rarely want to leave strong side corner. So if Fox is left side, you're not leaving left corner. So now your double has to come either that you're doubling Fox if he if he comes off a Sabonis pick in some way, which he wasn't doing every single time. And that's probably why. Just to like understand it, he was. That's probably why he didn't do it. And then the second thing is you're coming from a really far distance away. Off a forty percent three point shooter, and and that makes it brutal. Like if we if we just go look at any of the you know the the driving dunk is a total miscommunication between Clarkson and you know they run Herder off of Fox and Clarkson goes for a gamble, which I don't understand at all. But Herder's running off a Sabonis pick at that point. Murray's in the near side corner. Conley's now guarding Murray. And Markkinen's on the far side on corner on Barnes, and they're running action that involves Sabonis and Herter. So Vando actually has to get in that action. There's nothing else that can be done. Like, there's, you, you could leave, you're leaving a wide-open corner three, 40% shooters, your other choice. It's not a great, it's not a great choice. If, at 355, when Fox has a driving layup on Beasley, it's early offense, so you're not set. The Jazz do not build a defensive wall, but everyone's marked up on their guy, and Fox just hits it fast. There just weren't, like my instinct when I see the box score and see 22 points in the fourth quarter is why aren't you, dub, why aren't you getting the ball out of his hands? 
We've talked about this a ton with our late game watching. Getting the ball out of guys' hands right now late in games is brutally hard because everyone's got 40% three-point shooters around, and that's why guys are having these mammoth games. The one time Fox went to the right side of the floor, it was on the pick and roll with, a lit, uh, with Sabonis, and then he flips the pick, comes back to the left, he gets to the free throw line, just hits a tough pullback jump shot that, you know, I don't mind him taking except for the fact he's on fire. So on the idea we should have gotten the ball out of Fox's hands, I don't know where those moments were. They've, they've spaced it well, they've done a lot of good things there that make it really, really hard to get it out of Fox's hands. Give, give him credit. I mean, that's kind of my takeaway today. It's like, I thought we played really well, really hard. It's unfortunate we're losing these close games. And on the on the next level, it's like, you know what? Like, these guys are really good and they're battling. And the other guys are good too. And Sacramento, I think, proves in this stretch that they're they're legit. Like, I'll give Sacramento the credit that I think Sacramento just proved they're a legit playoff playoff in team. And, and unfortunately, we may look back at this stretch and feel the other way on us. All right, any other notes I had for you I want to make sure I got kind of in this brain dump? Um. I thought Conley was really good. Um, We haven't had a lot of really good Mike Conley days in a little while. And frankly, since Mike Conley's injury and since he's come back is where the late game skid and the the winning skid has happened. I I do think they're related. Mike's just not quite right. And we've talked about how Mike is the thread that holds this thing together. And I've talked to Mike about what he's going through um, and how difficult it is, how difficult it is and how he's had to change kind of how he shoots it and how he lands and all sorts of other things, but the fact is that on the 18th game of the year, when we win in Portland, I think we're 12 and six and we've won a ton of close games. And then we start to lose close games. And then since Mike's come back, we have not gotten any better at winning those games. In fact, you know, in the 12 games that Mike's back, 11 of which he starts, I think we're four and eight and he's shooting 38% and 32% from three. So to have Mike suddenly drop 18 points, six of 10 shooting two days off, I think matters. Like it's noticeable that his best games he had 17 after we had four, three days off uh, against the Spurs. He did have 17 against Sacramento, which might be a little bit of their defense. And he had 18 last night with two nights off against Sacramento. Um, you know, he's he's the ultimate pro in gaming, but it was good to see him have a good game. We need him, and I, I do think some of that. Uh, our starts are not good right now, and it's hard to come back from bad starts all the time. And if you look at the NBA, um, the teams that actually start well, if you go look at the best teams in the first quarters, they're actually the best teams in the NBA. So our starts are not great right now. That's probably an area of focus uh, coming up here. I know Will's a big believer in the first six minutes of the first quarter. And if you look back at our last three games, I think the first six minutes of the, three, of the first quarter has been real, relatively ugly in all three of our last games. We were down 21-14 um, to 14 last night at the six-minute mark of the first quarter. Um, on the 31st against Miami, if I remember correctly, it was something similar to that. And then Sacramento blitzed us pretty early as well. Miami's six-minute mark, we were down 17. We were down 15 to 12 at the six – no, 17 to 12 at the six-minute mark. And then um, Sacramento on the 30th. Now, we were up on the Warriors, so it's, you know, it's only a three-game stretch. But these last three, um, our opening six minutes have not been very good. We were down to uh, Sacramento 21-15 in – um, in Sacramento. So that's that's a little bit of a daunting. I think that's a big focus for this road trip is the first six minutes of each game. All right, that was 35 minutes of me just like unloading thoughts. I don't know if I have any ready for tomorrow, but I'll watch a bunch of late games tonight. We'll have some fun stuff on that. And uh, Jazz and the Rockets, as we start this road trip, Houston, Chicago, and Memphis. Let's see what we can go get. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz. Now, mate, Locked On Sports Today, your second listen.